1: Hello and welcome to another Wednesday edition of the Wisco Fanatics show. I'm starting on my own today. Jake will be joining me in a few minutes. Um, I'm going to start with Badgers basketball today. Um, If you wanted to see us talk about the Packers, we did that show last night um, with Simon and Bryant. That show was a pretty good show once I got my internet issues figured out. Hopefully that's not a problem today. Um, So we did that last night. Also, real quick, if anybody is going to the Packer game tomorrow night, Jake and I will be there. So if you want to come see us, say hi. Um, Jake and I will be there tomorrow night as well. Um, So I'm going to jump in with Badger basketball. I'm going to start with the Stanford game last Friday. Uh, That was the Bruce City battle. I think it was cool seeing basketball played at Miller Park, seeing it played at a baseball stadium. I will admit it's not as cool as seeing basketball played on an aircraft carrier. That's That's just, like, one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So I will give credit where that is due. Seeing basketball played on an aircraft carrier is really cool. So I'm going to start with the Badgers and Stanford. Um, Badgers were 5 of 20 on threes in this game. Um, And Connor Asijian made two of the five. Um, For me, seeing, like, one of the things that really stood out to me with this game was the Badgers made 22 field goals and only had nine total assists um that's something where i'd like to see better ball movement from the badgers is something the bucks do really well when they're firing on all cylinders um the ball is moving around really well i'd like to see a little bit more of that from the badgers um i want to give i'm gonna do this throughout both games and in my power pair is give jordan davis a lot of credit for how he played over these last two games um this game uh he got an and one rebound or an and one sorry an and one uh, cut to the basket off of an offensive rebound by Stephen Crowell. Um, and this was part of a 14 to 4 run in, I guess you could call it the, the quote unquote, the second quarter. So it was the second part of the first half, the last 9.55 of the first half. The Badgers went on a 14 to 4 run, and that cut to the basket and, and won by Jordan Davis, kicked that off. Um, I will also give Stanford credit. Um, to their credit, they had nine blocks in this game. Stanford played pretty sound defense for most of this game. Um, Lots and lots and lots of doubles in the post. So anytime the ball went down to Stephen Crowell or Tyler Wall and whoever passed on the ball into the post, um, cut uh, cut across the lane, cut across over the other corner, Stanford was doubling that ball handling or that action every time, and that made it really hard for the Badgers. Um, to try to get their post game working, which made it hard for Tyler Wall, Stephen Crowell. Um, The Badgers did still win this game, thankfully. But um, the Badgers will need to be uh, more mindful of getting the ball moving quickly out of those double teams. Um, If teams look to take away Tyler Wall and Stephen Crowell in the post, that's really something the Badgers are going to have to adjust to. Um, And that's when, you know, it's going to be Chuggy Hepburn day and Jordan Davis and Connor Seagian. Uh, Max Klezman, those guys are all going to be really important during those games. Um, not that they aren't going to be important all the time. Um, so we get into the second half. Stafford, uh, Stanford, not Stafford. I don't want to talk about Stafford at all. I have no interest in that. Uh, Stanford cut the lead to five. Chucky Hepburn, this is this is a growth thing from Chucky Hepburn. He did this twice in a row. He got to the the elbow extended area. He went and got the exact shot that he wanted, and he went and got a bucket. This is – that's like I said, that's really a, a Chucky Hepburn taking the next step in in the mindset of being the guy is to go and get a bucket when your team needs it the most. When when your opponent is cutting your lead down, being the guy that can go get a bucket, that's only going to increase your opportunities. Um, and Chucky Hepburn is going to have a ton of opportunity this year with no Brad Davison and no Johnny Davis taking shots. Um, Chucky Hepburn's going to basically be able to have a green light anytime he wants. Um, So seeing him getting those buckets, just something you need to see him do all the time, honestly. I mean, I'm not saying he needs to take every single shot that he shoots from that elbow extended area, but seeing him get to that spot on the floor and go get a bucket when the team needed it is encouraging. Um, What's up, James? Jake will be here shortly. He's just running a little late from work, I believe. So Jake's going to be on probably right around the time that I wrap up talking about badger basketball. Um, normally we would start with badger football, but um, Jake wanted to be here for that part of the conversation. Cause it's, I'm going to be honest, the badger football part of this discussion is going to get a little heated, not between Jake and I, but between badger fans on social media and Jake and I, um, in addition, like I said, I'm going to keep, I'm going to talk about Jordan Davis a whole bunch. He did a ton of dirty work in this game. He had 13 points in this game and eight of them came in the paint off of getting the layups and he had one transition layup. Um, I mean, looking at this game at the end of it, fundamental failures, seven missed free throws. That's uncharacteristic of the Badgers. 11 points off turnovers for Stanford and 10 second chance points off Stanford. So I didn't do this for the entire Badger season last year to calculate um, what their fundamental failure average was for last season. Um, cause I started doing this, um, after the, after the NBA all-star break is when I started tracking these. Um, so I didn't go back cause it's a lot harder to find, um, college basketball and college football statistics than it is to find for the NBA, but I'll keep track of them all this year and have an average. Um, once the sample size gets a little bit bigger, I'll be able to kind of gauge what a, what an average fundamental failure game is for the Badgers. But for this game, it was 28 points. Um, for context, the Bucks' average from last season was 33. Um, for the Badgers to be just five points below that in a game that's eight minutes shorter, uh, and for a team that, like, like the Badgers are, is a very fundamentally focused team, and that's how they win games is by making all of their free throws, boxing out, and taking care of the ball. That is pretty much what Wisconsin basketball is built on. For them to have 28 fundamental failure points definitely stands out. Um, but... In these two games this week, it's not entirely indicative, nor does it entirely correlate with the result of the game. Because um, now switching to switching to the Green Bay game from last night, um, three missed free throws, which is better. Eight points off turnovers. The batters only turned the Badgers turned the ball over fourteen times last night and gave up eight points off turnovers. So it could be worse. Obviously, it always could be better. Only two second chance points. That. Is a big deal uh, for a total of 13 fundamental failure points. Uh, it's much better to see that way low. Um, the Badgers um, won this game 56 to 45, they beat Stanford 60 to 50. Um, looking at this game, it's oh man, this is gross. I wanted to wait for Jake to share this stat, but I just want to get it out of the way. Um, one really encouraging shooting mark for the Badgers, and one very discouraging shooting mark for the Badgers. 8 for 19 on threes. It's Great percentage. It's in the the low 40s. 8 for 34 on twos. And they only got blocked twice. That's 26 missed two-point field goals for the Badgers. That is absolutely not indicative of Badger basketball. Um, I will say, and I'm not doing this in a you know, in a critical, like, oh, my God, they suck way. Um, Tyler Wall and Chucky Hepburn, four out of 25 on field goals combined. Um, Tyler Wall was two for 11, I believe, and I think Chucky Hepburn was two for 13. It's not going to happen often, and it's often not going to happen on the same night that both of these guys go just incredibly cold, super cold, can't make a bucket cold. But if it happens in Big Ten play, it will lead to some ugly games. And I'm going to restate what I said when we did our Badger Primer, I do think the Badgers are going to get off to a hot start. I don't think they're going to be ranked after beating UW- UWGB and that being the only game in between last week and this coming week. But I think if they beat Dayton on next Wednesday, uh, next Wednesday afternoon for the Battle of Atlantis, I do think they're going to end up ranked. And I said I believe they're going to start out 8-3 and three and the expectations are going to get high for them early in the season. Okay. Um, I do think the expectations for the Badgers are going to get high early in the season because I think they're going to get out to about an 8-3 and three start. After that, their schedule gets very, very difficult in, I think it's December and January. I think it's December and January. Yeah, December, January, February. January and February are going to be the tougher months. But, like I said... The four for 25 between Tyler Wall and Chucky Hepburn, if that happens in Big Ten play, there will be some tough games to watch. And like I'm saying, I don't expect this to, to be something that happens on the same night or something that happens particularly often. Um, <clears throat> but it happened against WGB, And thankfully, Stephen Crowell was still effective and Jordan Davis again. So, Jordan Davis hit two threes early in the game, and he blocked a shot in transition, blocked one off the backboard, blocked a layup. Uh, Max Klusman and Chucky Hepburn did hit a three in this game in the first uh, first half. Um Max Klusman threw a beautiful alley oop to Marcus Ilver. It's cool to see him get some playing time. And then I want to talk about I want to talk about Gilmore. He I want to see him play with some swagger and some confidence. Um, it was one of my bold predictions that he would become the Badgers sixth man this year. He'd be one of the first guys off the bench. He's got all of the tools. He's got all the necessary tools. He's athletic. Um, He can do good things in the post. Uh, He just, I think I'd like to see him play with some more confidence. I want to give him a big scoop of credit for the defense that he played in the post. He did a very good job of defending, contesting shots without fouling. And I wanna. Like, I'm not. I'm not a person that is gonna blame officiating for the outcome of a game, but I will say that um, Gilmore did get. He got the the elbow around the waist at least twice last night. Um. So, you know, it's. I want to give him credit for defending without fouling, while also saying that he's got the tools to be better, and I think he can be. Um what's up, Jake? I'm talking about the I'm in the uh, just about done with the first half of the Badgers and Green Bay game from last night. So that's where I'm at. Um do you want to give do you want to give any thoughts on Stanford before I continue with Green Bay?
2: Yeah, yeah. I'll just go through uh my plays real quick. Sorry everybody, it was uh been a long day, been a hectic day. Uh been a hectic week, really. I feel like our whole week got jammed in like three days <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> because of, you know, events that are happening uh, tomorrow, actually. I'm very excited about there's some, uh, I didn't even get a chance to talk to you because I was driving home, trying to speed home, but uh, I want us to talk about the Packers Titans injury report at the end of this episode. We can go over that. I think it's important yeah. to go over it since it was the last practice today before tomorrow, but we'll get into that later. That's a little extra bonus. Um, so, First of all, I want to say that having baseball at American Family Field, Miller Park, whatever the hell you want to call it now, um, that was fantastic. That was awesome. I to think watch. baseball there is
1: usually pretty standard. I'm gonna say,
2: yeah, I've, I thought that was fantastic. I definitely think that they showed the NCAA that they they have the ability to uh, to host some games. You mean basketball, bud?
1: Yeah. Oh, sorry. Jesus Christ.
2: Dude, <laughs> you didn't even notice when I
1: said it back to you.
2: <laughs> it's been a long crazy day. I'm like Yeah, me like and like Jake had a uh... play
1: baseball there. <laughs>
2: he said, Me and Jake had a fun debate a couple of days ago. No, James, we did not. And <laughs> as soon as we talk bucks, I'm gonna bring you into this. So stick around. I'm gonna bring you, I'm gonna bring up what you said because it was crazy, man. You were talking crazy. So Justin caught it. Yes. <laughs> Justin, sorry, man baseball um, very standard days. of the american family field <laughs> we're going to talk basketball okay um <laughs> badgers so the first play i wanted to talk about was a play that i thought set the tone in this game was uh wall steal and slam early um hmm. he looked he looked sick hanging on the rim that that's i guarantee somebody got a cool photo of that of him hanging off the rim after he went up with two hands with authority i mean awesome play from tyler wall um who definitely is the heart and soul of this team early, in my mm-hmm. opinion. He's not the best player, but he's definitely the heart and soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and hilarious. then my play two is a, is a sequence uh, in the second half from 1830 to 1656. I thought it was important that they – Jake Brady and I are going to the game tomorrow. We need to meet up. Oh, shit. You can, you can meet Justin tomorrow, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, hell yeah. Um. <clears throat> That's my girlfriend's sister and her boyfriend, by the way, for future cool. reference. Um, so we got a three from Tyler Wall, which is the craziest shit I think I've ever yeah, seen right? in my yeah. entire life.
1: <laughs> Hashtag positive takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: Um, Stanford gets a dunk. Chucky comes down and gets a jumper, answering the dunk. Stanford gets another dunk. And then Jordan Davis, who's been very, very good to start this season, comes down and hits a three. So I thought it was important that Stanford, you know, you knew being down 20 to 32 at half they were going to come out and be like we got to capture momentum going a little run here right so it was important that we hit a three and every time that they scored we answered it i thought that was a very important sequence in this game um i don't know how far you got into the green bay game i didn't get to watch the entire uh, highlight reel or go through all of it or read about it so um i just was looking at the box score and it looked like Chucky was struggling, and Wall was struggling last
1: yeah, night. Yeah, I, I hit on Chucky and, and Wall struggling, and I did bring up two, and I'm going to – it bugged me. Eight They were 8 of 19 on threes and 8 of 34 on twos. Oh, my God.
2: Yeah, man, they they did not score very much. I expected them to score a lot more against Green Bay,
1: to be honest. Yeah. Tyler Wall and Chucky Hepburn were combined 4 of 25. Mm -mm. Mm
3: -mm -mm.
1: So, I did throw that out there. Where I was in the game, I was about to get into the second half. Mm -hmm. And this is something that happened a bunch last year. And I'm glad that it's still the case that Stephen Crowell is clutch. Stephen Crowell's clutch. Uh, Really no way around it. Um, Less than four minutes to go. UWGB cut the lead down to seven points. Stephen Crowell hits a three. Only three he took. He made it. Last four minutes of the game. Next possession down, gets a missed shot. I don't remember who missed the shot, but Stephen Crowell gets the offensive rebound, goes back up and gets an and-one layup. That's two huge buckets in less than a minute sequence when the game was single digits. Yeah. So Stephen Crowell, he's he is a clutch player. Uh, he may he may be the third best player on this team. Um, we'll see what happens with Max Kuzmin. And you know maybe Connor Seagian, but I think Crowell is going to be more important than those two. But um, Klesman's got an opportunity. I don't know if a will pass Crowell up on the importance ladder, but you know, man, um, I was going to call you out and say that's pretty crazy that we're putting a that high on the list already. But
2: the the kid's oh, yeah. got potential,
1: right? He's and got and the dude's got like a butter smooth jump shot. Um, yeah. Klezman, I will say, I think he's got the opportunity to pass Crowell much sooner because he's he's effort on both ends of the floor. Um, he had a steal mm. last night. It was in the, was in the second half. Mm. And Green Bay is trying to hit a backdoor cut for a layup. And Klesman hits it with his hand and then dives on the floor to swat it away to get the steal. Uh-huh. Um, that's that's the kind of stuff that's going to draw those comparisons to Brad Davison and Zach Showalter and Josh Gossman. That's that kind of stuff that Max Klesman is doing. Um, so I do think he has an opportunity to potentially pass Stephen Crowell on, on the totem pole for the Badgers. But right now, Stephen Crowell is the Badgers' third best player. And last night, he was probably the second best player. It's only Jordan Davis. Um, so, what's up, Dan and Taylor? Uh, thanks for watching. I got to say, here every week. so
2: I got to say something. A um, little disappointing that Kamara and McGee didn't get a score against his former team. <laughs> He didn't even attempt a shot. Six minutes, zero points, zero attempts. I mean,
1: he He got assists. He got beat back door for a layup, and I think Greg Gard took him out, like, right after that. The backup point guard has been a problem for the Badgers, man. Like, Um, last year it sucked because um, Bowman was hurt, like, most of the year, which sucked. He was more mm -hmm. of a shooting guard. But um, Mm -hmm. I will say I think Jacoby Neath has been a little underwhelming. Um, coming out of the transfer portal. Um, and then Kamari McGee, he's he's very undersized to begin with. Um, and he's coming out of the transfer portal from UWGB as well. So he's, you know, definitely going up a level from the Horizon League to the Big Ten. Um, true. So, you know, I'm not sure how much of an impact we'll see from Kamari McGee this year, but, um, Chucky Hepburn is the guy at point guard. If Chucky Hepburn were to go down and miss time for the Badgers, Badgers would be in some trouble.
2: It would just be nice to have a guy that can control the offense for, you know, Hmm. 10, 12 minutes. It doesn't have to be a long time, but a guy Mm -hmm. that could come in and be a spark plug, you know, control the offense, get everybody Mm -hmm. in the right spots. And I know we kind of have that with a season, but Gilmore can give you some minutes. He's okay. I, mean, I want to see road. maybe
1: I want to see maybe Jordan Davis play a little bit of that role. He's he profiles as much more of a shooting guard, but I'd like yeah. to see him get to handle the ball a little bit. Maybe bring the ball up the floor a little. He had a he had a pretty sick and one in the
2: game against Stanford, and he's just that was one of the ah, that I've I mean, that was, like I said, man, he's been
1: pretty damn good this season. That play kicked off a fourteen to four run. So we're just going to do this. We're just going to get right into this for this power pair for the Badgers. Jordan Davis mm-hmm. is number one for me. Um, He's doing the dirty work. He's playing with confidence. He's shooting with no hesitation. He made three threes yesterday. He was three out of six against the yep. against Green Bay. The yep. second three that he shot, he caught, hoisted, no hesitation, straight cash. So shooting with no hesitation. Uh, he's cutting to the basket a shit ton, a ton of cutting to the basket. Backdoor cuts are back, Badger basketball fans. Let's go! <laughs> yes. Um, and he's playing well defensively. Um, I said it in the primer. I think Jordan Davis has arguably the biggest opportunity of any player because he is the like main returning player on the wing in the absence of Johnny Davis and Brad Davison. So he's, mm-hmm. he's starting to live up to that opportunity and I'm excited for him. So my other one, I was kind of torn on who to go with with it, but I went with Stephen Crowell because um, he's my guy. Yep. I said he was going to make second team All Big Ten with Tyler Wall and Chucky Hepburn, so I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna bang the drum a little bit. He had nine points in both of the games and averaged ten rebounds over those two. He had three offensive, I should say, he averaged three offensive rebounds. He had four and one and two in the other game, um, and he also had four blocks in the two games. So if he can establish a little bit of a, a rim protection presence. That's just another, you know. We're looking at Baby Lopez with Stephen. Oh Kruger. my God! You freaking stole it, you
2: bastard! <laughs> you bastard! <sighs> I was gonna call him Baby Lopez, um, because he just lumbers up the floor. He hits an occasional three pointer that you know is massive. For some reason, he they always make it right. And then they, if he like, I like you said, if he can establish himself as a shot blocker, I had the same too. Um, I, I was on the, the Jordan Davis train this week after watching uh, the Stanford game and, and you know, seeing how he did in the, the Green Bay game. And then, obviously, you know that Wall and Chucky struggled in the Green Bay game, so they weren't going to be on the power pair playing two mm-hmm. games. But the other most consistent player, uh, I'm just going to call him Baby Lopez from now on, so <laughs> that's his name now, uh, Baby Lopez. He was good, man. I mean, almost a double-double in both games. Like you said, he's blocking shots, so, I mean, I will take that. If if he's gonna give me nine points, eleven rebounds, and block a couple shots, I will take that every single game. Every game.
1: Literally every game.
3: Yep.
2: Yes.
1: All right. So Badgers next. Um Badgers don't play again until next Wednesday. Yeah. So we gotta wait a while to get another Badger game. Um they play a one thirty on next Wednesday against Dayton. That's their first ranked opponent this year. Um I'm gonna see if I can get out of work just a little a smidge earlier so I can watch the beginning of that game and then uh, pick the girls up from school but um that's their only game between now and next Wednesday so you know that's that's what we're looking at we could, and then probably, play cover, again. We could probably still cover that game we could probably still
2: cover that game I could probably listen to it while I'm at work and if you can oh, yeah, early, that yeah. would be we could yeah I there.
1: I figured we would um so yeah and then after that they don't play again cuz of Thanksgiving weekend they don't play again until the following Tuesday against Wake Forest so between, between the next two shows, we only got two games. So um, it'll be a little quiet on Badger basketball for the next two weeks. But um, hopefully they're still undefeated when we're talking about those. It'd be nice if they if they beat Dayton, right?
2: We're going okay. to get into some weird stuff here. But if they beat Dayton, if they can get ranked, that would be nice to have a Wisconsin college team ranked. I mean, outside of volleyball, which we're really good at, and everybody talks about them now for a certain thing. But
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't they're, know what that is they're they're a good volleyball team they are actually a really good volleyball team. <laughs> I think they're ranked number two if I'm not mistaken I could not tell you I'll say my dad and my dad and Angie probably know but do they uh, actually pay do they play close attention to it yeah my my dad's oh, wife on. Angie is a big volleyball person so oh. All right, is there anything else you want to say about Badger basketball? Nah, man. Let's get this pain over with. I'm ready, though. All right. Are we, are we recapping or are we opening the can of worms first?
2: I say we recap before we open the can of worms so people know why
1: we're opening the can of worms. The The can of worms is going to burst when it gets open. I'm just going to tell you now. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Spoiler alert. For everybody watching and listening, in the next 10, 15 minutes, there will probably be a profanity-laden rant. Apologies in advance. <laughs> all right. Let's start with the offense. Um, what did you see from the Badgers offense that stood out to you in this game? The thing that I saw, if I'm being
2: completely honest, I mean, they were sloppy. Obviously, the couple interceptions and all the turnovers in general. Yeah. I feel like we didn't take advantage of opportunities that were there. So we weren't very opportunistic. They, we run a lot of out routes. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm. Uh, We run uh, some, some flags. We run straight outs. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we run, but we don't run enough over the middle. And I was, you know, messing around on, on, you know, on my social media apps and people are breaking down the game and they're just showing me these, wide open gaps in the middle of the field nobody within 10 yards of of the middle of the field and it's like we
1: have nobody running over there can i can i propose a thought process you know it would be really got? good to have for that i mean a tight end a tight end yeah yeah but
2: even still, we, we were running them on out routes. We didn't establish the run. I mean, we averaged 1.6 yards per rush. That is absolutely unacceptable when you have a six foot two, 250 pound running back and you have a bunch of maulers up front. And I was actually having a conversation with one of my family members. They were telling me they think the Badgers need to recruit differently on the offensive line. And I was like, what do you think? And he said, well, we always get these big maulers. We, all, we always get these big 6'5", six, 6'8", six, guys, and they're 330 pounds. And, yeah, that's great for running straight forward. But when you look at Ohio State's and you look at Alabama's and you see all their athletic linemen pulling out in front,
1: I was like, but do you
2: think that we're on the same recruiting level as Ohio State and Alabama? Like, I understand that it hurts to say that, but we're not on that level. We're not keep getting all these five-star guys.
1: This is really something that people have to keep in mind. This is not just plug and play. These are still academic institutions on top of this. True. So that's that's a factor. And when we get into the can of worms we're going to open, I'm going to bring this up as well. So put a pin in the recruiting thing because I'm going to come back to it. Okay. Well, that was just a conversation I had after the Iowa game um
2: a Wisconsin team that only held the ball for 26 minutes and 23 seconds you you just know that that's bad news I mean and I know that their, their offense was horrible our defense was amazing and we lost this game by 14 points that is just ridiculous I mean obviously we gifted them seven points with the pick six right. I don't even remember that guy's name I try I was so traumatized by that number three from Iowa that I was like, I do not want to ever see that guy. What was his name? Dejean. Oh, my God. He owned that entire game. The entire game was owned. Every pass we threw, for some reason, was towards him. The punt returning, everything. That guy was owning the game. He was winning the field position battle by himself for Iowa. And, you know, it just
1: it sucked. That game sucked. Plain and simple. What do you What do you got? So, two things. One, I was really surprised they didn't try any end arounds with Skylar Bell. True. That really stood out to me. They ran three of them against Maryland, and he had 52 yards on those three end arounds. That's an average of 17 and decimals. It's an average of yeah. 17 yards a run on those three end end-of-rounds that Skylar Bell had against Maryland. And in game mm-hmm. where we're struggling to run the ball, Why aren't we trying some end rounds Like, they've been successful and we're having trouble running the ball. That that stood out to me that they didn't do that. The other thing that stood out to me is you kind of touched on it a little bit with the offensive line, and I want to relate it to Graham Mertz because not only did the Badgers struggle to run the ball, they struggled to protect Graham Mertz, and then obviously Graham Mertz didn't have his best game and threw some errant passes and just missed the spot on a lot of throws. What I will say is that I don't think that there is a single coincidence that the offensive line's worst games correlate with Graham Mertz's worst games. Now, with Graham Mertz, this game specifically, looking at it, like I said, with the correlation of the offensive line, I will say the offensive line played pretty well against Maryland. But that game, the ball was slippery because it was raining, sleeting, and snowing all on the same day. Um, Mm. So that's one game (laughs) I would say that's an outlier of Graham Mertz not playing well and the offensive line playing well. That's really the only game that doesn't correlate. (sighs) Can we, can we as Badger fans, when things aren't going well, at the very least, just be respectful? And then after that, be supportive? That's it. So that's really all I'm asking for. I'm going to get a lot harsher soon, but did anybody even know that Graham Mertz became the eighth Badger to throw for 5,000 passing yards? Did anybody even know? They don't care. He's, he's dude. So Wisconsin Badger football posts that Graham Mertz is the eighth player ever to have, 5000 passing yards. There's literally people in the re- like in the replies on Twitter telling them to delete the post. <laughs> because he's having a bad game on the same day that he passed 5000 yards. Think about that. There were 70 70 replies. One of them was by me telling the other 69 of their ha unacceptable. <laughs> I know. (laughs) 70 replies on Twitter. Not a single fucking one of them was positive. Not one. Not one. I told you guys last night that on social media, you see an average of nine negative posts for positive. Try 70 to zero negative to positive. Are you fucking kidding me? And you wonder why people don't want to come here? You think people don't read social media, but you think they might at least check the Twitter profile of the school that they're considering attending to. I guarantee you they do, because when recruits are visiting, they tag not only the school, they tag the coach, they tag the position coaches, they tag the recruiting coaches, they tag the admissions, they tag everybody. They see that shit. You think that somebody's going to want to come play quarterback for Wisconsin when there are 70 fucking consecutive replies calling him trash and saying that he's garbage and delete the post and he sucks, all that shit? Would you want to come here if that's how the fan base was reacting to you? On a milestone, no less. A career milestone. 70 consecutive negative replies. You think somebody wants to come here and play for that?
2: On something that that kid worked his ass off for
1: you got to be fucking kidding me. 70 in a row. All negative. Every single one of them. Fucking disgusting. Absolute garbage. If you're a Badger fan and you're on Twitter, you should be ashamed of every single fucking person in that comment section. I know I am. Absolutely disgusted. Seeing people calling him... The worst quarterback in football ever. (sighs) Shit like that. Just absolute garbage. Not even true. It's just like, are you, do you have a personal thing against him? Are you biased or are you just stupid? Like, just tell me he, just just tell me he stole your girlfriend,
2: bro. Just tell me he stole your girlfriend. It's fine. It's
1: okay. (laughs) And you'll get over it. There's a lot of other girls out there, man. You see five-star recruit and you're automatically thinking we need to win a national championship. And you put that okay, expectation that's another on thing. didn't adjust your expectations at all, which it's fine to do. You can adjust expectations. Nobody's going to call you a backpedaler for making a realistic adjustment to your expectations. The fact that people are so oh, negative towards Graham Mertz, the way that they are, it's it's disgusting. And it's not even true. People like are saying he's the worst quarterback in college football. He's not even the worst quarterback in the Big Ten. He's actually in the top half.
2: Bro, he has the second most passing touchdowns in the Big Ten this year. The second most. I got all of the stats. I have all of them. He has the second most. (laughs) It's fucking stupid. But, Josh, listen to this. I don't give a fuck about all the other teams. I give a fuck about the Wisconsin Badgers. I give a fuck about fans of my fucking team. Yep. Because every time I want to talk about my fucking team, I got some asshole over there being his normal
1: asshole self. Yep. And then when I want to have a conversation to think that I'm an asshole like that asshole, well, I'm not an asshole like him. Or, or you try, <laughs> like I said, you try to be positive on one of these things Well, oh, your head's in the clouds. You're not being realistic. Yeah. It's sunshines and rainbows. Yup. Guess we should just settle for mediocrity. Nobody's saying any of that, but as a fan base, that's not our job. You want it to be your job, get a degree for it. Go be a recruiting expert at Wisconsin. Then you can talk shit. As a fan, yeah. our job is to support the team no matter what. Jake and I are trying to do it from a positive, a positive mindset and a positive point of view. But that's our job as fans: is to cheer no matter what. All right, just open the
2: fucking can of worms. I'm ready now. I'm fucking. Right. I'm my face is getting hot now. <laughs> I'm I'm ready now. <laughs> Dude,
0: the,
1: the the Twitter replies to Wisconsin posting that he was the the eighth to five thousand yards was that set me off. So listen to this. You mentioned that he's second in Big Ten with for touchdowns. Mm-hmm. The Badgers are number 115 in the country in passes per game. 115th in the country. He's second in the Big Ten in passing touchdowns. Taylor said he's going for programming so he can hack and delete the shitty comments. <laughs> Taylor, you might be, become useful to us in the future, bud. <laughs> <laughs> I can make a bunch of bot accounts that can go on Twitter and ratio people that are negative. Um,
3: <laughs>
1: they are eleventh in the Big Ten in passing attempts per game. Wow! They are ninth in yards, and he's tied for second in touchdowns. Yep. The Badgers have also given up the third most sacks in the Big Ten. Hmm. And Graham Mertz i'm not useful now (laughs) no you are (laughs) taylor you're you're one of our biggest fans so i will give you that um in badgers history players over 35 passes um he is eighth in rating Hmm. now i will say this too a lot of Mertz's metrics are on par with the other players over five thousand passing yards. That is Daryl Bevel, um, Alex Hornibrook, Joel Stavi, um, John Stocco, Graham Mertz, Brooks Bollinger, and Scott Tolzien. So those are the, I think that's eight, eight quarterbacks in Wisconsin history that are over five. Yeah, because Graham Mertz is the eighth. Duh. Sorry. Out of the eight of them, Graham Mertz's metrics are on par with a lot of them. Um, his yards per attempt, Scott Tolzien's is actually really high. So he's kind of an outlier in that area, but, um, his rating, his touchdown to interception ratio, his completion percentage, his air yards. I mean, it's, they're all really close with what all the rest of those guys were. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, third most sacks. That makes now, a difference. Now I just said this to somebody else. Grammerets, they're like, oh, he's got thirty-seven touchdowns and twenty-four interceptions in his career. Look at the difference between last year and this year. Last year he had ten touchdowns and eleven interceptions. This year he has nineteen touchdowns and eight interceptions. But people want to act like he throws pick sixes every single game because he threw one in the game in question. Nineteen to eight touchdowns to interception. Listen to this. You're gonna, oh, you're gonna fucking love this. It's a better ratio than the following Big Ten teams, quarterbacks. Oh, boy. I'm going to need to take two breaths for this Purdue, Michigan State, Nebraska, Indiana, Minnesota, Northwestern, Iowa, and Rutgers. He is the sixth best touchdown to interception ratio in the Big Ten. It's pretty goddamn good. <clears throat> also, I'm going to put this out there. Okay, if Graham Mertz plays this year and next year, he would finish with 48 total games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brooks Bollinger played 46. Graham Mertz is at 32. Scott Tolzian played 29. Like I said, he's kind of the outlier. John Stocco played 39. Joel Stobby played 44. Hornybrook played 40. And Daryl Bevel played 45. Realistically, looking at it, if he were to play um, – This year and next year as the starter, he's probably gonna finish third all time in yards for Badgers based on his per game.
2: I mean, and all he did his and his time, you know, if we're going into the future here, all he did in his time is just fucking throw touchdowns, give all he has off the field to try to win games, and then he's just getting shit on. Like imagine that you try your best at work. And it's not good enough. And for three straight years, you have 70 people saying that you're fucking garbage. Imagine that once a week, you have 70 people calling you garbage. It's not going to bother me. I'll tell you what. After a certain point, you're going to start believing it. And it's going to start hurting you because that's mm-hmm. how mental health works. So these people are not robots. They're people like me and you. Yes. And that, they read that shit, and that shit hurts just like it hurts me and you. So it literally takes less time to just be nice. Like, you could you could have saw that post and be like, oh, that's cool. Congratulations. The kid worked his ass off for that. And then moved on with your life. But instead, you decided to be a jackass. Yeah. Like, why?
1: If If he plays even 40 games, he would be at number four in yards. Think about that. Top five I'm thinking, I'm expecting them to win against Nebraska to be bowl eligible. I mm-hmm. also figure they'll be bowl eligible next season because almost their entire offense is going to be back. So mm-hmm. I'm essentially saying the grandmarts is going to play another 14 games, um, to put them at 46. Mm-hmm. Um well it would be well oh, plus the two this year, um, so 16 games. If he plays 16 games, he's he's gonna finish top three in yards in Wisconsin. Um, he's already got 37 touchdowns, which he's um, I pulled it up so I can look it up. But um, currently, 37 touchdowns, 24 interceptions. Um, it's a better touchdown interception ratio than you know. It's a pretty on par with all those guys. Like I said, he's on par with a lot of these things. <clears throat> so touchdowns, he's currently sixth. Uh, he needs two to pass Brooks Bollinger. He needs ten to tie Stacco and Horny Eleven to tie Stavi, and he needs twenty-two touchdowns to tie Daryl Bevel for the most in Wisconsin Badgers history.
3: Every
2: time you say Joel Stavi, I just go back to thinking about him. <laughs>
1: Joel Stavi. I mean, what a so quarterback! We're literally looking at if, like Grant Mertz, like I said. You know, you and I have agreed on this that he has made a big improvement from last year to this year, massive hundred yeah, improvement. Yeah, but he has probably his worst game of the season uh, against Iowa, which is a good defense, by the way, which people continue to leave out of the conversation. Yeah, and right away, people are just back to the extreme that there's that he's not better than anybody in the country at playing quarterback or throwing a football. It's it's such an extreme that it's just unnecessary. It's just like tell me, tell me you
2: don't watch other teams without telling me. Like, do do they watch any other team other than Wisconsin?
1: You can find the stats as easily as I did. Because you can go to the Big Ten website and you can pull up the statistics, and you can see that he's got more touchdowns and a better touchdown interception ratio than the other eight teams that I already mentioned. You can go to College Football Reference and find that he is among all of the guys ahead of him in yards and better than you know, old quarterbacks in Wisconsin history in all of these categories. You can do the math for yourself. I did. And he's his touchdown interception ratio is really close to a lot of these guys. He's better than some of them. I didn't feel like going and saying he's better than this guy at this and worse than this guy at this, but he's better than this guy at this just because we'd be here all day. But mm. all of his metrics are right along with those guys. Imagine if he takes another step forward next year, like he does this year. And I'm telling Badger fans now, Graham Mertz is going to be the starting quarterback next year.
3: It's, oh yeah.
1: Unless there's more of this shit on Twitter that people are doing now. And he transfers, which is yeah. a lot of what I saw too, is people telling him to transfer. Um, and if it continues going this way, I almost hope that he does because it'll be better for him because our fan base is so fucking disgusting. Yeah. But you know, assuming everything stays the same, Graham Ritz is going to be the starting quarterback next year. Uh, and he's going to play the entire season. It'll be his senior year. He's going to be among the, the best quarterbacks the Badgers have ever had. Sorry, not there's sorry. A,
2: there, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't know why people are so upset about it. Social media has just really made people toxic, man, at the end of the day. It's really made people f- – think that they could say whatever the hell they want with no repercussions.
1: Well, and it won't ever affect them. Like, I'm going to get serious on you for a second. If Graham Mertz just I'm I'm not saying this is going to happen like, I apologize if this bothers anybody. But let's, let's, Isaac, you came in at a uh, really heavy time. (laughs) Let's say Graham Mertz reads those 70 comments. Mm. Say Graham Mertz commits suicide today. What do you think all of those people think? Nothing. It doesn't affect them. There's no consequences for being a piece of shit on social media. But let me tell you, there will be Later in your life. Because you are not the only person in your world. You may not know Graham Mertz. You might have kids. You're going to have a piece of shit attitude. Guess what? Your kid's probably going to grow up to be a piece of shit. Because you're a piece of shit. People seriously. you got to realize. That this stuff does not just affect. What you're saying on the internet. It's going to affect you. You talk about people being trash, whatever, or not living up to your expectations, or they're the worst at this, the worst at that. How do you think you're gonna self-evaluate? You're gonna you're they gonna into a review at work, and you're gonna be like, Oh, I you know, like, what do you think that you're gonna think about yourself? It's not gonna go good. I promise you that there's nobody that's super happy and positive in life. And then is super negative and just absolutely disgusting, and the worst type of human being on the internet. Your mindset carries with you, and it affects the people around you. And yeah, Isaac,
2: we've talked about that.
1: It's it's terrible. It's it's absolutely terrible. And like I said, I'm it's it's disgusting to see what that comment section was like. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, man,
2: I'll tell you what, if my son, you know, uh, I keep him focused enough and he gets a college degree and say, you know, he, he can do whatever the hell he wants. He says he wants to be a quarterback one day. Next day he wants to be a wide receiver and be like Justin Jefferson. He can do whatever the hell he wants, right? It's his life. Whatever he does, if there's a, if there's if he gets a milestone and I see people, you know, going at him, you know, because he's having a bad game. I'm going to have a really fucking hard time not finding these motherfuckers and punching them, bro. How are you going to go at – this kid is what? – what is he, 21? I don't think he's even 21. I think he's 20. He's fucking 20 years old. Think about that. I wish I was 20 years old again, dude. I could redo a lot of shit. The last 10 years of my life, i made a lot of bad decisions. I guarantee all these people wish they could be 20 years old again so they could redo shit that they've done. So for you to hold him on this pedestal at 20 years old, when you were nowhere fucking near getting college offers from University of Wisconsin and being a starting quarterback and getting 5,000 passing yards, which is not a crazy amount, but for Wisconsin Badgers, it's a pretty goddamn good number. And you were nowhere fucking near that because you were busy fucking your girlfriend in her trailer. I'm sorry. I had to go there, but it's like, You've been a piece of shit your whole fucking life, so you're gonna cut down this kid. It's sad that people have to do that. Like it,
1: it's almost like jealousy at that point. It's, it's the it's, validation, is what it is. And that's what that's what the negativity on social media is, is it's validation. Because if you're one of those 70, you're part of the group. Doesn't doesn't matter that that you're being negative because you're part of the group. Well, everybody else around me is saying it, so why shouldn't I? That's, that's no not, James. I didn't have a girlfriend that lived in a trailer at 20 years old, bro. <laughs> that's not the way that the world ever is going to get fixed. There's so much negativity in the world and just being negative because of the people around you are, it's not going to help anything. That's well, you're just contributing to the negativity.
2: Well, then if you're noticing, if you're trying to self-reflect and you notice because the people you surround yourself with is how you are going to be, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've heard that saying 20,000 gazillion times. It is fucking true. The people, the five people you surround yourself with, the yep. five people you're closest to, is yep. how you're going to be. Yep. So the energy that I'm trying to radiate is positive energy. The energy Tyler's trying to radiate is positive energy. You know, we're all trying to make, me and Tyler are trying to make this world a better place. And it's slowly but surely, I do see it happening. I see more and more people. <laughs> Justin, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> but, um, Oh my god, I just lost my train of thought because Justin's a jackass.
1: Trying to make the world. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is if you
2: know that you're in a negative situation, you gotta, you know, you gotta be a man or you gotta be a a grown-up, a woman, you gotta take yourself out of that situation and do something that's better for yourself. Okay, you don't take it out on a fucking 20-year-old
1: kid. That's bullshit. James, I get the I get the self-talk thing, saying worse things to myself than I do to other people. Gotta work on that. That's Hey, like if I like we recognize James, you're not even a Wisconsin sports fan. Like we have the Predators in common, but that's because our minor league team is in in Milwaukee. But like James is a, a Red Sox, Celtics, um, Predators and Saints fan. And he still watches our show. We, we had Bill commenting last night saying that he watches only our show because all of the other ones are so negative. Yeah, the thing is and I'm going to use James as an example, is if we can get people to think positively about Wisconsin sports, that that plants the seed in their head to then apply those same, you know, thought processes to life. That's the goal of the Wisco Fanatics show. So, like I said, at the very least, be respectful, take it a step further, and be supportive. Graham Mertz hit a career milestone during the day he was having a bad game. One game out of 32 when all those 32 combined for this milestone, but you're singling out the one to not celebrate the rest of the 31. And all the hours he puts in during the
2: offseason, and he was reaching out to the coaches, you know, before the season and trying to learn the offense. It's like not a know, single congratulations. All, not,
1: not one. Not one. What a bunch of assholes. All right, we got to regroup, and we're going to switch to the defense. Um, Badgers' defense against Iowa was definitely the brighter side of that game. Um, Like I said, I'm a subject of defense. Iowa's is good. Um, Badgers' is good, too, but um, let's talk about the Badger defense. All right, so I'm going to have to plug in my headphones. My daughter's
2: taking a bath now. But uh, Badger defense – they were fantastic. We had – I mean, two of my three stars are Badger defenders, right? Um, we're going to get into the stars in a little bit. They had 146 total yards, bro. Yep. Total yards. <clears throat> they had 94 passing yards.
1: Isaac Braylon Allen's not talking to other coaches. Yeah, he's not leaving anymore. He's not talking to other coaches. If if coaches are talking to him right now, it's a really good way to get yourself disqualified from ever making a playoff.
2: Yeah. Literally all he did was follow them on Twitter. That's what I saw. But anyways, and he also um, killed those rumors. He said, you know, uh, this this is where I'm going to be. He said, I'm Wisconsin. Um, But anyways, we held them to six of 19 on third down, only 1.2 yards per rush. In the rushing game, what's up, Simon? And 4.1 yards uh, per pass. I mean, the Wisconsin defense did everything to win this game. Yeah. Just
1: it wasn't our day, and it is what it is, man. There's definitely the turnovers is what killed it. Yeah, there's definitely still positive takeaways from this game, and we'll definitely get into it when we get into the stars. Um, but Simon, you missed. <laughs> you you missed a. Uh, Really interesting 15 minutes just now. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you kind of hit on a bunch of the things already. What I will say, um, a couple things that stood out. Um, the Badgers did have six sacks. So there's that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, two things that I will give credit to Iowa for. One is the Badgers not having any interceptions. The Badgers didn't intercept any passes this week. And I think that's part of what contributed to this game. Um, I do think that the defense has fed into the offense with that by setting them up in good positions on the field, good field position. Um, Simon, we went on a 15-minute a rant about Badger fans being terrible people. As To be honest, it, it's nothing new.
2: They're just, shit, they're just shitty people talking shit over the internet because they think they're tough. Nothing there.
1: Um, and then the other thing I want to give Iowa credit for, only three penalties from Iowa mm-hmm so outside of that that's um yeah stay tuned to Wisco fanatics every wednesday that's that's what we're doing <laughs> i agree with that we echo that message <laughs> um with that said give me your three stars i have a feeling we're gonna have some overlap but oh i guarantee we're gonna have some overlap you have do you have two defensive players i have I have essentially four defensive players. I have three stars, an honorable mention, and then my underrated performer. <laughs> oh, and honorable mention. This guy's going I, to I crazy. I have an honorable mention in. So four out of my oh five my things I'm going to talk about here are defense. Okay. So
2: mine. So my first one, and I only put him because I was dogging on I only put him first because I was dogging on him a couple weeks ago. Um, in Jog Meta. I think he played a really, really good game. Yes, he did. Um, he had 11 total tackles, seven solo, a sack, and one and a half tackles for loss. He was my number two. He should have been number two because my number two was Herbig, who is probably your number one. Number one. Um, He had eight total tackles, seven solo, three sacks, three tackles for loss. He was a fucking man amongst <laughs> boys in that favorite. first half.
1: Nick Herbig was just an absolute unit. Like, looking <laughs> at this past cool. week, like, Nick Herbig owns Iowa – and Javon Carter owns the Oklahoma city thunder. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's pretty good.
2: Um, so then my next one, um, my third one, I picked uh Keontes Lewis. Um, I think he <laughs> played a pretty good game. Uh, three catches, 71 yards, he had the 51 yarder for yep. uh, 51 yarder and he had a touchdown. So Keontas Lewis is pretty good. You want me to get my underrated performer again, right away? Go for it. Okay. Um, I was going to take your guy, CJ Getz, but I was like, that's Tyler's boy. boy." Um, So I put down Jordan Turner, um, 10 tackles, eight solo. He had a sack and a tackle for loss. Dude, looking at these defensive stats, you know, in, in the box score and stuff, it's ridiculous that we didn't win this game. We had a season's worth of tackles for loss in this game, bro. It was insane. Seriously, we had 12. 12 tackles for loss. In one exactly. fucking football game. And we 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 didn't we
1: lost by 14. That is insane. Yeah. I mean, as far as the defense goes, they lost by seven, if you want to think of it that way. True. Because seven of the points were scored by Iowa's defense. But True. Um, True. <coughs> Jordan Turner was my honorable mention player. Um, I did have Herbig. I had Anjan Um uh, And then I had CJ Gets as my number three. I've been talking about him for about three weeks now that I've been seeing his improvement. Um, yes, he's coming up more and more. He had nine tackles in this game, and one of those 12 tackles for loss. Yes, nine tackles is a D end. I will take that all day. Oh, 100%. Um, and he's doing, I'm really noticing him being better at setting the edge in the running game mm-hmm. and keeping contain on quarterbacks. Like I noticed that more in the Maryland game, keeping contain on, on Tago Viola. That's that's big stuff for him Uh to be stepping up in that way. So I wanted to get him in my stars to to give him that credit because I've been seeing the progress in the last three weeks. Um, And then for my underrated performer, I just put the wide receiver group as a whole. Um, So you touched on Keontez Lewis. I also wanted to throw in Kimmeray D. K. who had four for 46, and Skylar Bell, who also had four for 46. So, um, you know, solid games from each of them um, collectively. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that's – that's pretty much where I'm at with this. So. <clears throat>
2: so do you remember last night we were talking? Um, we had the boys on here talking Packers football, and we talked about if we get out of the playoff hunt, there's still things to look forward to. Uh-huh. And that's kind of the position we're in with the Badgers. I mean, they're still gonna get a bowl game, it's not gonna be a good one, but these are building blocks that could go into next year with a lot of uh-huh. these young guys that are getting a lot of playing time, like a CJ. You're not yes, a single senior
1: know? on the starting offense.
2: Yeah, I mean the whole the entire offense could come back and have that camaraderie, uh, be ready to roll. Have all these tough times, all these tough losses, have all of that for a chip on their shoulder, right? We have all these guys on defense, these these guys in new roles, you know, because we lost players from last year's defense, which was amazing, mm-hmm. right? And now mm-hmm. some of these guys are making plays. Sadly, Sanborn is making plays for the Bears, and he started running
1: this week, so we actually got to give him some congratulations.
2: Yeah, he. Dude, he had a crazy game last week. And then um you got oh, damn it. Now I forgot his name. Oh, Leo Chenal. He had a he had a sack for the Chiefs in their game. I mean, we got we got ex badgers all over the place. Think I mean, Van I think Andrew three Van Ginker starts on the for the Dolphins. Too. Yeah, I mean Pittsburgh loves loves. I mean, I don't know if he's still there, but I, I miss Louder Milk. <laughs> he's there. He's there. He's still there? Okay. He's still there. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just badgers everywhere making plays. So You've got to understand that these are building blocks going into next season. So, I'm all for guys getting experience. We're being competitive. It's not like we're getting blown out every game. We're not losing every single game. It is what it is, man.
1: They're currently 3-2 and under Jim Leonard. Could easily be Mm -hmm. 4-1. and That Michigan State game could have gone either way. And I will still say to this day, even though the Badgers lost, that was a fantastic football
2: game.
1: 100%. Bottom line. Um, And Michigan State just made the plays at the most critical times, and they won that game. That could have been the Badgers, aside from one fumble. One very uncharacteristic fumble. That yeah. could have been the Badgers. The Badgers could be 4-1 and one under Jim Leonard. They're 3-2, and two, which is obviously better than their 2-3 and three record that they had with Paul Crist. And it's still nothing but negativity. We can be Shocking. better, Badger fans. Shocking. So, let's get into the Nebraska game. Looking for, a, you know, pretty much... Nebraska's coming in 3 and 7. Um they're on a four game losing streak. Um what are you looking for from the Badgers offense against Nebraska's defense?
2: This Nebraska defense is far far away from the black shirts. Holy shit. They are, you know, every week when when we're going to do these, you know, our offense versus their defense and our defense versus their offense. I try to look for like What's the biggest weakness, and how can we take advantage of that, right? That's what goes through my brain. When I look at their defense, I'm like, how the fuck do we not take advantage of this defense? You know what I'm saying, dude? Like, they're bad everywhere. They give up 438 fucking yards. That is a lot of yards. That is a fucking average, bro. That is an average. Are you fucking kidding me? 438 is your average. That's bad.
1: That's a lot of yards. Holy shit. Holy
2: shit. 438 (laughs) is your average. I can't get over that. They give up 247 pass yards, 191 rush yards, and almost 30 points per game, 29.9 points per game. That's what I'm saying. When I looked at this team, I was like, the the whole thing is a weakness, the entire thing. (laughs) So run the ball, pass the ball. I don't give a shit what you do do what you got to do to get down the field score some points. This is going to be a merch bounce back game and I am I'm I'm, all, I'm here for it.
1: Mhm. Yeah, totally with that. Um I mean you pretty much hit on it. I mean looking at it I agree with you. I I mean I, I agree with you. Um I think it's going to be one of those things where you're looking at it, you know, you're you're pointing all the yards they give up. I I'm less looking at the the box score, the points, the yards, as much as I am looking at efficiency. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be looking more at, and I know this factors into, but Grammertz's completion percentage, um, yeah. Badgers receivers have struggled with drops at points this year. It's not, you know, it's not all Grammertz is only throwing bad passes. There have been drops, which counts against the quarterback. It's not fair, but that's the way it is. It happened to Aaron Rodgers on Sunday. Um mm-hmm. And then looking at yards per carry. That's the other thing that I'm going to be watching for because both of those things rely on the offensive line. Um, Nebraska's defense is not Iowa's defense. So that said, on this side of the ball, the matchup that I'm watching is, like you said, I'm watching for a Graham Mertz bounce-back game. Um, What's the matchup that you're looking for on that side of the ball?
2: On our offense? Yep. So... (laughs) I uh oh I I didn't even pick a single player. I was looking I was going through their their whole box score. 3 of their 4 top tacklers are DBs.
1: Oh. Yeah. 2021 Packers defense. Fuck. <laughs> when Amos or Run no, 20, sorry. That was 2020. That was when Amos and Jair were our leading tacklers every game.
2: Yeah. Run the ball, pass the ball. I just I just feel good going into this game facing this defense. Um, this is one of those games, you know, coming off a really, really tough loss. And, you know, what we didn't mention is Iowa City is a freaking tough place to play.
3: Yep.
2: That is a tough place to win a game. Lots of teams struggle playing in Iowa. can't say that,
1: though, because that doesn't fit in the Graham Mertz's trash narrative.
2: I don't give a shit about that narrative because that narrative is trash. I'll, all I'm going to say is I feel good on offense, whatever matchup that you want. Uh, yeah. Go to it. I feel like DK is going to get fed a lot in this game. I feel like Braylon Allen might score two touchdowns in this game. I didn't pick a single player because once I saw that three of their top four tacklers were DBs, I was like, they're toast.
1: That's fine. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. So looking at it, I mentioned the touchdown to interception ratio. Nebraska is one of the ones that has a worse touchdown to interception ratio than Wisconsin does. Casey Mm -hmm. Thompson is Nebraska's leading quarterback. He has 12 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Dan yeah, Mertz is the worst cornerback in the country. Casually has 19 and 8. And this dude has 12 and 10. Yeah. <clears throat> I will say their running back, Anthony Grant, he does average 4.7 yards per carry. So mm-hmm. he's got that going for him. Um Casey Thompson's yards per game average is 202. That's exactly what the badgers allow on average. Um, yep. they are, like I said, on a four game losing streak. So Nebraska was three and three. Everybody's like, oh, they fired Scott Frost and then they started winning games. We should fire Paul Chris and we'll start winning games. Totally not the same thing. Cause obviously now Nebraska is not doing well. Um, they've only scored 25 points total over their last three games. 25 total over the last three games. Um, looking at it. Good. Yeah, it's definitely not good. Um, looking at it, Wisconsin's averaging seven point six yards per pass. Um, this hurts to to hear. Graham Mertz is getting sacked on eight percent of his dropbacks. That's wow. number ninety nine in the country. Wow, that is a lot. Yes, that is. So, you know, I meant to mention that with the offense, but um, looking at the defense for Wisconsin, I mean, it's just keep doing what you're doing. I don't know if there's anything really that's, that's standing out to you from Badgers defense against Nebraska, but, um, you know, it should be pretty much the same conversation we just had with our offense.
2: Yeah. I mean, I know that um, the Iowa offense isn't very good going off the most recent game. But I feel like the last couple of weeks of Wisconsin defense. You talk about growth of of gets. I feel like lots of players have been taking big steps. I mean, we we talked about the ability to have three safeties on the field. Yeah, corners have been better. I feel like They're this defense is better. just building and getting better and better and better. Mm-hmm. Right, so a good I point. hope that we can that we can suffocate them and take them out early. Um, I'm gonna go to my matchup real quick. Uh, the, mat- the matchup that I'm watching, Trey Palmer, he's their number one wide receiver. Now, you mentioned their running back averaging 4.7 yards per carry. That's obviously going to matter. This is Big Ten football in November, mm-hmm. right? So, running the ball is is a, a big thing. Um, but I want us to take away Trey, Trey Palmer. He's their number one. 58 catches, 831 yards, and five touchdowns. I feel like you slow down their number one guy in college, especially colleges that are, are down and out like in Nebraska. You slow down one guy in the passing game, I think you're gonna be pretty good.
1: Damn, that's pretty solid. 800 yards. That's good for him.
2: Yeah. I thought it was weird that this game was on ESPN.
1: At a lot of hands. Yeah, we got an ESPN game. What the hell? <laughs> All right. Fine. So you you mentioned your matchup already. For me, my matchup is CJ Gets. I'm watching to see if he continues growing. Um, I'm actually really enjoying watching CJ Gets, and I'm like I said, I'm hoping to see him continue growing. Um, that said, give me your give me your X factor for this game.
2: So my X factor for this game, um, I have Grand Mertz. Um, I am really, really trying to hold myself back from going on another rant. <laughs> but I just want him to succeed so bad. Um, obviously, it's important for your quarterback to be good. But I, I cheer for this kid um, almost – almost because others don't, you know what I mean? Um and it's it's kind of that that same feeling I got for Watson, you know, the Packers wide receiver. You know, you see all these people just being trash cans and it's just like that's it. Now I'm cheering for him because you guys are assholes. Yeah. You know, like it's, why you gotta it's tear this like
1: down? it's almost like wanting to spite people that are negative. Yeah. Like you said a bunch of negative shit shit. and it's, it's the reason, like, it's the exact reason why we posted today that David Bakhtiari has been one of the best left tackles in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And we put the David Bakhtiari apology form on there. That's just like, yeah, we know you're negative. Admit it. Exactly. So, you know, admit you were wrong. Yeah. We've had some people commenting and being like, well, what are you calling out people for being negative for? Isn't that go against your motto? It's like, no, we're calling out people for being negative. That's yeah, what we weren't here stop. to do because we're promoting, promoting positivity. We have to meet with at least um, equal force of what the negative people are doing if we mm-hmm. want to make an impact. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to call it out when we see it. Um, and it's uh, to your point, you know, you're you're bringing up Mertz and Watson saying you want to see them succeed because others don't. It's like an underdog mentality kind of thing <clears throat> is the way that I see it.
2: I agree with you. Sorry. I'm telling my family to be quiet because they're being so loud upstairs.
3: It's ridiculous.
1: All right. My next factor is offensive line. Um, Like I said, I don't think it's a coincidence that the offensive line didn't play well last week and we couldn't run Mm -hmm. the ball or pass the ball. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm looking for a bounce back game, not only from Graham Mertz and Braylon Allen, but also from the offensive line. And that's where it starts. So what is your key to victory?
2: You want my key to victory? Yep. Okay, so my key to victory is score early, score often. I feel like this is going to be one of those games where if we can get on the scoreboard early, get them off the field immediately,
1: we can take control of this thing, and all systems rolling. So I think it's interesting. I don't think it's going to be a factor this week, but Chesma Lucy is returned to practice. Um, I don't think there's really a chance that he plays this week. I haven't heard any indications that he's going to. But the -hmm. fact that he's practicing means that he's potentially back for the final against the the finale against Minnesota would be a nice boost to have. Uh, For me, the key to victory is winning the turnover battle. So we Mm -hmm. talked about it last, you know, with with the Iowa game, we talked about the interceptions um, and the Badgers not having an interception defensively. So I'm looking for the Badgers to get back to their ways of turning the ball over um, and seeing if. Uh, John Torchio can get an interception. Maybe like you said with, with your matchup that you're watching, maybe one of our corners can get an interception. Um, it doesn't just have to be, be one years. of our safeties tracking the ball for an interception. So um, that's my key to victory. Give me your score prediction from the head. Um, you want the weather report real quick? Oh, yeah, you got a weather report too. All right, boy.
2: Okay, so weather report. It's uh, going to be 33 with a real feel of 19 degrees. Uh, winds northwest at 15 miles per hour. So it'll be a little windy. And like I said, it's Big Ten football in November. So big boy stuff. Um, Score prediction from the head
1: is 38-13 Wisconsin. Ooh, that's close. I also have 13 for the head, but I have 24-13. I'm just just looking for a modest bounce back. I'm not looking for a blowout. I just want to see, like I said, I just want to see efficiency. Um, that said my score pick from the heart is reflects differently, um, much more of a blowout, but my score picture from the heart is 31, 10. Um, that's the scenario where I see the Badgers scoring four touchdowns, maybe two passing and two rushing for Braylon Allen. Like you said, I do also see that with, um, with Nebraska's defense, this could be another Isaac Garendo home run hitting touchdown game, but what is your mm-hmm. score picture from the heart?
2: So one thing that I love is that we both have we have the same score for Nebraska on both of them, so for the head we both have thirteen. From the yep. heart we both have ten, but I have forty-five to ten. Forty-five to ten. Happy. I would be, I, I, would be I would be very happy with that. Yeah, me too. I, I fully expect us to go in there pissed off and ready to whoop some ass.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I. I just want to see conditions for people to be more positive. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's it's been said that winning cures all. Yep, yep. Just because losing, I know it creates a negative mindset that people hate losing and you know, that you can only be positive when you win. That's something that Jake and I hope to kind of break the the programmed thought process with mm-hmm. is that you don't have to win to find positive takeaways. Obviously, it helps, and that's the goal is to win. But just like there's ways you can improve if you win, there are positive takeaways you can find when you lose. So I just want to see the Badgers get back into the win column, get them bowl eligible. I don't care what bowl we're playing in. That's another thing where people are complaining about recruiting. And then they're like, Mm -hmm. we don't deserve to play in a bowl game. I don't even want this team to be in a bowl game. I don't want to watch them in a bowl game. It's like, but yet you're complaining about recruiting. Exactly. You think that a non-bowl team has a better chance of recruiting than a bowl team? I don't give a shit what bowl you're playing in. Having more exposure for your school is good for your school. Bottom exactly. line. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully that's what happens on Saturday is that the Badgers get bowl eligible. Is there anything else you want to say about Badger football? I have one other thing before we move on. I do not have anything. I'm Wisconsin, right. baby. So the last thing that I want to say with, with Badgers football there were two really sad losses yeah. from Badgers football this weekend. One was Brent Moss. Um, he was one of the running backs in the early 90s, and the early Barry Alvarez days. He died this weekend. Um, he was 50. Um, they didn't realize or they didn't release what his cause of death was. Not the case for Devin Chandler. Um, Devin Chandler was part of a school shooting at Virginia this weekend. Um, he transferred from Wisconsin to Virginia. He was killed in a, uh, a school shooting in Virginia this weekend, and it's it's really sad. Obviously, it's sad when these things happen, but it's the kind of situation where Jake and I really feel that if we can affect just a handful of people that we're doing something better for the world. Um, if there was... Say there was a show similar to ours covering Virginia football that has a more positive influence. And the person that did that watched it and was like, you're right. Even though things aren't going well, there's still ways to look at it better. That's that's what we need to be for the people around us. I don't care whether it's sports. I don't care if you're interested in video games. Jake and I play video games. It's anything. You could have a book club and you can still be a more positive person. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you do, but to be more positive for the for the people around you, it makes a difference.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And it doesn't even have to be anything. You just smiling to people you pass on the street, holding a door for somebody. It's so fucking simple to just be better to other people to help. You know, I'm not saying it's going to single-handedly stop gun violence, but just... Be decent people. It's not hard.
2: I want – I mean, that is terrible. Both, the, both those losses are terrible for the University of Wisconsin. I just want people to realize that, you know, mm-hmm. the stuff that you say, and Tyler's talked about this before about, you know, being prideful in the stuff that you say. Imagine those people that said all that stuff about Mertz and he's just in the wrong place in the wrong time and he, he dies in a, in, a, in a gun shooting incident. Are you gonna feel good about how, how you talk? And we can switch that. We can put that on the Christian Watson stuff. You know, we talked about this a couple of times where his mom, you know, had, had to literally point out about all the terrible comments people were saying about him. I mean, that's still somebody's son. Some of the, some of these college kids that have kids of their own. That's somebody's dad that they look forward, you know, every day when I get home from work. The first thing I see is we got my daughter a little trampoline, and I see her two little eyes because she barely gets over the window. That's the first thing I see. So no matter what shit I dealt with at work that day, it all goes away when I see that kid. That's what I look forward to every fucking day. That's somebody's dad. That's somebody's you know brother, son. That's somebody's best friend. It, just be better, man. That's, this shit really starting to get to me. And I... I I've been, you know, training myself now for a while to to not let this shit get to me. But when I see it affecting young kids, man, it's it's bullshit.
1: Yeah. Moral of the story is just be better people. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up. Some NBA basketball. Let's go back to last Wednesday. Bucks on Thunder. Uh, The thing that really stood out to me with this game was Brooke Lopez. Uh, I'm going to get to Javon Carter, but he's going to be a conversation across all three games. This game specifically, for me, it's Brook Lopez. Dude played 45 minutes. That's crazy. I would have never thought that last year. I mean, I would I would have been happy if he was playing five minutes last year. <laughs> right, right. But 45 minutes. Yeah. And late in that game, like the fourth quarter and both overtimes, he played through a shit ton of contact in the post yes, and did, did not get any foul calls. I think he got one foul call out of, like, seven isolations in the post in the end of the fourth quarter and overtimes.
2: He did get the call at the end of the fourth, though. I'll say that.
1: (laughs) And that was a fair call. Um, So, I mean, Bucks needed buckets, and they went to Brook Lopez in the post like a whole bunch of times. Mm -hmm. The one where he had the back and he spun baseline, he took two dribbles and, like, ripped through and then went, bam, and dunked the ball. I'm like, oh, vintage Brook Lopez. Yeah. That so was he finished. That was nice to see, man. He finished 11 of 23, 10 for 17 on twos. Not bad, actually. Um, 24 points, 13 rebounds, five blocks. That stood out to me. What stood out to you specifically from this game?
2: Oh man, this was a very exciting game. Um it was hard to miss Javon Carter. That's your topic, but if you watch this game, it was hard to not notice Javon Carter throughout the entire thing, right? Um, but I I want to point out a, a couple plays here. Uh, first of all, there was a buzzer beater three by you know another fan favorite, and I'm being sarcastic, uh, George Hill. That was a massive play when you when you you know they say huh? hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And you know this game goes into double overtime. That buzzer beater three to make it a three point game was a massive massive play when you really break it down. Um, and it was a runner and he was fall, he fell to the ground and stuff. I was like, Oh shit. You know, so when I go back and think of that play, I was like, that was mega
1: clutch, right? Some people are starting to come around on George Hill. Not all of them for damn sure, because people have a hard time admitting they're wrong, but some people are starting to come around and being like, hey, he's actually had a pretty good start to the season.
2: I saw one guy post some bullshit. He said, I'm doing my best, Javon Carter today, get to show up to work, look cute, contribute nothing, and get paid. I was like not even gonna to touch that. I'm not even gonna to touch that that post. Not even gonna to touch it. First of all, you're calling a guy cute. I don't know what your sexuality is, but okay, that's weird to me. Sorry. Um, that's one of the things that you point out about George uh, George Hill. Whatever. Um, the other thing I want to point out is uh, Grayson's four free throws at the end of this one because one of them, his fourth one. And I texted it to you. I was like, "Bro, he just waved goodbye to the crowd. You know, he shoots it. <laughs>
1: no,
2: like no hesitation. Just right after as it's sinking through the hoop. I'm like, he's cold blooded for that. <laughs> he is cold blooded for that. And I understand the hate for Grayson around the league. And he definitely is one of those guys. Like, if he's on your team, you love him. If he's not, you you hate him. I guess. I don't think. I, for me, I don't think it will be. He hasn't done anything ill will towards a Bucks player, and he hasn't done anything or said anything bad in the last since he's been a Buck. In my opinion, I mean, the honestly, one I don't think play, he's like, really
1: done anything like super egregious. than he's been in the NBA when he was in
2: the summer league. People were all up on him, but it's because he went to Duke. You get you get that tag of Duke. People hate you instantly. It's kind of like that for the Packers. You get a tag of being a Green Bay Packer, people instantly hate you run the league. That's how it is. That's um, fair. but I just love mm-hmm. I just loved seeing him wave goodbye to the crowd. That was that was fantastic for me. Um one of my storylines is gonna be Marjan, and then I have
1: something else I'm gonna talk about, but I'm gonna let you talk your two plays first. Well, for me, outside of Brooke Lopez, it's just it's the fundamental failures looking mm-hmm. at it. Um only three missed free throws. Now I know. Like, this is going to sound mean, but Giannis mm-hmm. didn't play in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Bucks only missed three free throws. <laughs> 17 second chance points is kind of a lot. And 18 points off turnovers is also kind of a lot. But that's a total of 38, which for a double overtime game to play 58 minutes instead of 48, it's not terrible. Um, you can live with that. Yeah. So the thing that really stood out to me as far as Javon Carter is concerned, he had a career-high of 36 points, is – in the second half, Oklahoma City put Lugans Dort on Javon Carter. That's a small forward guarding a point guard because he's scoring too much.
2: And he's a good defender, too. He's Dort a is a good, good, defender. good
1: defender. He's a very good defender. I would take him on the Bucks on a heartbeat. Oh, 100%. Um, so Oklahoma City put Lou Dort on Javon Carter because he was scoring so much. And he still almost hit a game winner at the end of the fourth quarter.
2: Dude, he was so close hitting that buzzer, dude! Oh, I was like, oh. So, a you did mention the free throws, right? Um, we did all and you mentioned Giannis with the free throws. Yeah. The area where we got hurt with Giannis missing is the fast break points. I mean, the first two games that we talked about, we really got hurt in the fast break points. Uh, we only had seven fast break points. That's not a normal for the Bucs. They had fourteen, so we didn't get killed on it, but they got seven more points from the fast break. And here's where we really got got killed, and we only lost this by ten. We had 54 points in the paint. They had 64 points in the paint. There is, there is. It should not be a secret that the Bucks are looking for a defensive minded front court player. Yeah, I'll just say that. Um, so 64 points in the paint, 14 fast break points. Uh, I'm just gonna go through the box score real quick here. Um, we shot 50 of 106. They shot 50 of 111. That is a lot of fucking shot attempts we saw, bro. 217 shots we saw. 217. Um, we were 17 to 36 on threes. They were 18 of 45. That's a lot of three-point attempts, which you can expect. 55 rebounds for both teams, 24 assists for the Thunder, 27 for the Bucks. Um, Marjan had a really, really good game in this one. Uh, 19 points, eight rebounds, no assists, but he had two steals, seven to 13, five of eight behind the arc, hitting some clutch threes. Um, he played 30 minutes. Uh, He had a plus 14. So this was a, a very good Marjan game. And before we get into the next game, I just want everybody to know he is a fucking rookie. Yeah. So expect ups and
1: downs. Okay. Yeah. You know, this this is a good transition cuz let's let's go to the Bucks and the Spurs game. <clears throat> Looking at the up and down. Were we not just 2 weeks ago listening to people slam Budenholzer for not playing the rookie? Yep. And now we're going to either slam Budenholzer or the rookie for playing the rookie? Yep. I that's what we're doing. I don't make the rules. I just follow. What do you what do you want? What do you want? You can't just expect every single rookie to come in and be honest. It's the fact that people like make the weirdest fucking narratives to try to throw him at Budenholzer too. It's just absolutely baffling to me.
2: Dude, I think it bothers people that Budenholzer is one of the best coaches in the league. I really do. I really think it bothers people. I'd say he's
1: easily top 10. Easily. um, Probably top eight. I can give top eight, arguably top five.
2: Right off the top of the head, you got Pop. You got uh, freaking Spolstra. Spolstra, yeah. Um,
1: God damn it, who else? You got Kerr. Probably better. Yeah, Kerr. I'd throw Nick Nurse in there. He's a very Nick good coach. Nurse. He's doing a lot with a little. Which,
2: by the way, Giannis said he'll never be a Toronto Raptor. So that made me very happy. Um, I don't know if you. I don't know if you saw that on. The Baca cooking show thing.
1: I saw snippets of it. I didn't see the whole thing.
2: But he said, uh, he said, Will you ever be a t- Toronto Raptor? He said no. So that was awesome. Um, so right there, that's four that I can think of. Yeah. Now that's where you start getting into some debate, right? Yep. I mean, Boonholzer has had has won a championship. He's been coach of the year multiple times. Um, he's yep. won 60 games multiple times. And yep. People that want, and there's gonna be people because you know this is gonna happen. Did they win the title in that year? Why the fuck does that matter when I'm talking about what he's done as a coach?
3: Yeah.
2: Bro, that Atlanta team had no fucking business
1: winning 60 games and they did it. <laughs> That's they they had their entire starting five named as the Eastern Conference player of the month. Bro, they had no
2: business <laughs> winning 60 games. <laughs> no business. And Bootenholder is easily a He and you know now that we're thinking about he's definitely top eight, like no doubt in my mind. Yeah, and that bothers people, which is really annoying. Yeah, he's a top third coach, and people just want to throw throw dirt on him. But it is what it is. Let's get back into the Spurs
1: game here. Yeah. Um. You want to keep talking about Marjan? Just stay on the topic. Yeah. So, like I said, expect ups and downs. This was
2: not a great game for Marjan, but learning experiences, right? So. He played 34 minutes in this game, eight points, four rebounds, two assists, one steal. Uh, he shot four of 13 and 0 of 6 behind the arc. He was a minus 24. But to be honest with you, nobody in the Bucks played particularly well in right. this one. So it's not just on him. I just wanted to talk about Marjan and his impact on this team. He's mm. brought great energy. If nothing yeah. else, you can still talk positive about his energy and his Absolutely. effort.
1: Absolutely. So – this is. I'm going to get back into Budenholzer again for a second here because after this game we get Giannis back. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I the I saw somebody say that because the Bucks only scored 93 points that it means that the bench is full of guys not contributing and just collecting paychecks.
3: Oh my god!
1: And it's like, do you do you not understand that three and four of our starters are not playing in this game? I guess not because Grayson Allen was a really late scratch. Cause he was sick. Mm-hmm. No Giannis, no drew still. No, Chris, no Pat. It's like, these are all role players playing starting roles. What, what do you expect from them? Like our bench isn't full of starters. It's full of role players. Yeah. Forced into being starters. Mm-hmm. So being mad that the role players aren't playing at the same level as our starters. Like you think we just got three Giannis's. And, and three Drew Holidays and three Brooke Lopez's and, like, just use your head. It's role players playing in the starting spots. If the starters are there, the role players are playing their roles. That's where they contribute because they know their role. Not, not that hard. Anyways. I so want to talk
2: about that conversation with James so bad. There he is. I want to make a joke. I want to talk about that conversation with James,
1: but we'll, we're will we going to finish the Spurs game first, and I'm going to bring it up. All right. So two things that stood out to me from the Spurs game was one was transition defense. So you brought up fast break points. Um, I don't know if you have them written down for the Spurs game, but I probably I do. don't want to know. It's 21 to zero. Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 the transition defense was bad. Um, late in this game, I saw a possession where there were five Milwaukee Bucks underneath the Bucks three-point line, and two Spurs past half-court. Mm. Not what you want to oh. say. Oh, that made me mad. Oh, I was pissed. Oh, that was no- oh, I was not happy when I saw that. Um. The other thing with this him. game, before I get to fundamental failures, is uh, Bobby Portis has gotten off to a bit of a slow start. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to preface this by saying I 100% expect him to get right Because Mm -hmm. he's capable And Mm -hmm. he's Bobby Portis and we love him Um, He's shooting 44% On field goals and just 31% on threes Um, In the next Month or so I'd expect both of those numbers to go up By like 5 or 10% Um, So Aside Mm -hmm. from that Bobby Portis is still averaging 13.4 and 10.9 rebounds Still averaging a double-double. Um, he's just taking a few more shots to score some more points. So, like I said, I expect his, his efficiency to go up. But for the Bucks in this game, too, you brought up already the 21-0 to on fast break points, which is just absolutely disgusting. Um, yeah. Also, 23 points off turnovers, which is very Eesh. high. 17 second-chance points, also high. Yeah. And only six missed free throws. I can live with that. I can live with that, too. That's forty
2: six. They did not play well in this game. This was absolutely the worst,
1: worst the Bucks played all year. But I expected that with all the people out.
2: Yeah, honestly, I did.
1: Um, and you know, it it is potentially a factor that they played a double overtime game, two games before, two days before that. So mm-hmm. I'm not. I know. I don't want to make excuses about it, but it's it's factors is what it is. So what's going on in your brain right now? Uh... Okay,
2: I am going to break down the James conversation in a second with some questions. I'm going to ask you questions that I asked him and I'm going to see how you answer to see if we're on the same same page. Okay, first of all, I'm going to talk about my my two plays that I thought really um, told the story of this game. Um, One is a sequence. So my first one I'm going to talk about is Kelvin Johnson. He was very good in this game. He did a very good. good job. Uh, he is good. He's only 23 years old. Yeah. The, the Spurs apparently now are just popping out young, young guards that are just really, really I, that's why I wanted Johnny Davis to go there. Mm. Um but they're just popping out these young guards that apparently just get to the rim at will and just shoot three pointers. It's like what how do you just keep getting players? Um, but he was really good at controlling the pace, I thought, and getting in the paint and finishing and kind of controlling the entire game. So I wanted to give him props. Um he had a couple of in ones. Um, my second one I want to talk about um, is the, in the second quarter, from the start of the second quarter to six minutes and 12 seconds left. Um, we went three of seven in, in that span. Um, in that time, Kelvin Johnson hit two threes, and he got fouled on a three-pointer, which he made all three free throws. So that, that right there told me that, Kel, first of all, Kelton Johnson was on fucking fire and was controlling the goddamn game And the Bucs had no answer for him. So when I was re-watching this game, because we were live when this game was going on. When I was re-watching this game and I saw saw that, I saw him hit a three, then get fouled, then hit another three. I was like, oh, this boy is cooking us right now. Um, It is what it is. Um, We talked about the free throws. Um, I can go through the box score. It's really ugly. We shot 32% on field goals, 27% on threes. They shot 50% and 38%. So that tells a story in itself. Uh, They had 50 rebounds to our 48. We both had 28 assists or 22 assists. I went over the fast break points. The points in the paint, they had 50 and we had 32. They whooped our ass point blank, period. So, really excited to get into this conversation. Who is a better defender, Marcus Smart or Drew Holiday? Just straight up. Who's a better defender?
1: I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give a two-part answer. Okay. Okay. First, I believe that Drew Holiday has more All NBA Defensive Teams. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have a Defensive Player of the Year, which it's arguable that he could. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm being honest, it's even. It's even for me. It's a, it's a cop out of an answer, but it's even for me. They're in the same tier you think they're even? I think they're even. So the reason that I said that Drew is better
2: is because you could put Drew on a taller defender. And you, and you feel good about that because of his strength. So when we put him on a on a Kevin Durant, we right. understand the size disparity, right? Right. But he's strong enough to push him out and make him uncomfortable in situations. When he played against the Celtics, and, you know, it is what it is. And James brought it up. He said that in basketball, you do matchups, blah, blah, blah. Which yeah. yeah, obviously. But um, I said because he brought up the best matchup for him was Jason Tatum. Well, the best matchup for Kevin Durant on the Bucks is Giannis. That's the answer. But we don't need him getting cheap fouls on KD. Right. So we put Drew Holiday on him. So when you talk or about Chris that Middleton. mismatch or Chris Middleton, right. I mean, fucking Pat Connaughton was on him for a little bit, right? Yeah, for a little bit. Um, so his first comment he said what he brought up all the other point guards he brought up Isaiah uh Isaiah Thomas, he brought up Kyrie Irving, I forgot the other point guard he brought up, but he was pretty good and he was like and the first year that Marcus Smart starts at point guard, we go to the finals. I'm like you don't think that he's the reason, right? And then I and then him and his buddy who was also a Celtics fan uh was coming at me about all this other stuff, right? And then I brought up I was like, dude, the Bucks are missing like three, four important players right now. And I was like, you know, Chris Middleton, you know, is is pretty important guy to be missing. And they said, we're missing Rob Williams. I was like, you don't think Rob Williams is on the same level as Chris Middleton right now, do you? And he said, yeah. Do you think Rob Williams is on the same level as Chris Middleton? Tell me, yes or no. Time Lord, yeah.
1: I don't want to hear that bullshit. Chris Middleton is a top 30, arguably top 25 player in the NBA. Rob Williams would be a hard time to put him in the top 10 centers. Oh, 100%. But their impact, their impact is the same. Yes, their you impact did, James. is not the same. Yes, Robert Williams has not given you 25 and five.
2: Do not backtrack now. I will go back and find that. You, no, 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 no. You said he was on the same level. I read that message. You said, they're on the same level. And I said, dude, if you break it down, Chris Middleton is a good to sometimes elite defender. I won't lie. He's, he's got much better on defense. Yeah. And then if you break down their offense, it's not even fucking close. Not even close. Yeah. He's he's a good pick and roll guy. And I said that in the chat. He's a very good pick and roll guy. But if you just give him the ball and tell him to score, he ain't doing shit. And then they're like, why well, you have to shoot on a team. And then he started talking about roles and stuff like that. I'm like, James, no shit that players have roles. Like what? What are we talking about here? And then he just kept going on about you know Marcus Smart leading him to the finals. I was like, no. And then he was like, he was very important in the Buck series. I was like, dude, you know who won the the Celtics series for you guys last year? It was Al Horford, and they both laughed at me. I Tell would me go a wrong. step further and say Grant Williams. Grant Williams was very good, but dude, remember the, the the middle games, like game two, three, four, five? Al Horford was out of this fucking world. Yeah, he didn't he was, miss like a three pointer that entire
1: fucking season. Bro, he
2: was going nuts. If he doesn't hit all those three pointers, dude, we're we're telling a way different story right now.
1: Way different. Yeah.
2: I just wanted to
1: I just wanted your answer on the Drew missing, Holiday and the Rob Williams. Missing Robert Williams would be on par with the Bucks missing Brooke Lopez. I'd agree with that. 100%. If you're if you're gonna tell me that you're missing Jalen Brown, that's that's where I would start to say where you're talking about the same level as Middleton. Brown yep, is better than Middleton, but those two are closer than than Robert Williams and Chris Middleton. Yeah, their impact on the
2: game is those are guys that can score and they play defense. Yes, where Robin Williams just plays defense, so that was very good. I, I'm so mad I did not think of that, but that was very good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's what I'm here for. All right, so let's get into let's get into the Hawks game. <sighs> um, and looking at it, Giannis is back. I will say this is one of the things that stood out to me was Giannis was rusty. Um, he hasn't played in a week, um, yeah. literally the last win last Monday against the Hawks. But 8 of 21 and 11 of 18 at the free throw line, he missed seven free throws. Of the total, the Bucks missed nine. 71 free throws in this game. Yeah. Damn, that's insane. 71 yeah. free throws. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, nine missed free throws by the Bucks, 20 second chance points for the Hawks, which is a lot, 20 points mm-hmm. off turnovers for the Hawks, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. Total of 49 fundamental failure points. <laughs> they did average last well. season was 33. That's it's honestly, it's unexcusable, yep. inexcusable, however you want to say it. The Bucks only won the rebounding battle by one 46 45. That's something the Bucks can usually hang their hat on as being a better rebounding team. Um, they need to continue being a better rebounding team because it's not its not helping them win games right now. That's why they've lost three out of the last four. Um, so that a couple of the things that stood out, playing the Hawks without Drew Holiday is a problem because they have Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. So playing mm-hmm. without Drew Holiday is a problem against the Hawks. It's going to be a problem. I'll put a pin in that. Come back to if Drew Holiday is not playing, put a pin in that. The first home loss for the Bucks last on monday night. Mm-hmm. And then this one makes me sad. It was the first game of the season that Brook Lopez didn't record a block. Oh. I know. It's like couldn't even get Aww. the consolation prize. Oh. Brook Lopez had a block in every single game until monday. It was the first game he didn't register a block shot. Damn it. I know that's how I felt.
2: Uh it is what it is. Um yeah, they didn't, they didn't play well in this game. Um Here's the thing. I'm gonna go over my two plays. Um, first of all, the first play I wanted to talk about was Giannis's crazy pass to Portis. That was a fucking highlight. Uh, he looked like Magic Johnson and ESPN immediately said it too. Nice. Um, and then I want to talk about I talked about Marjon's energy. Yeah. He he forced a turnover, f- started the fast break. He goes behind the back to George Hale, who throws it to Portis for the layup. And that ended up uh, Atlanta calling timeout because they felt like the Bucks were getting momentum. So I just wanted to point out that the kid is making plays, man. Um, he ended with a minus fourteen, but again, nobody played well in this game, so that's not really fair to look at the plus minus. He played well: twenty points, eight rebounds, one assist. He had one block. Seven, nine and three of four behind the arc. I mean, the kid was just hooping. So when we go through the box score real quick. 34 of 82 for the Bucks, 44 of 92 for the Hawks, 41% to 40% disparity. 29 behind the arc. And when I was watching this, I was like, damn, man, we miss Chris Middleton. And I was like, damn, man, we miss Pat Connaughton. And damn, man, I can't wait to put all three of those guys on the floor with Giannis and put Bobby Portis on there, just throwing random lineup out there. Who are you stepping off? Seriously. Who are you stepping off to, to stop Giannis coming at you full speed? Because all of those guys are more than capable of hitting that shot.
0: So you're basically
2: screwed is what I'm saying. Yeah, you're screwed. Um, catch high, release high. That's what Pat Conantin said. Pat Conten, yeah. Uh, like you said, we won the rebound by one. We lost the assist by two. Fast break points, 19 for the Bucks, 15 for the Hawks. Points in the paint, 56 for the Hawks. And I got to say – I feel like the Bucs are not being as physical as they were early in the season. And that is contributing to points in the paint and rebounds being so close. We're losing points a lot, losing replaying a lot. Um, When I was watching that game, I don't remember if I texted you or my dad this, but I was like, Jesus Christ, the Bucs look so soft right now. Like they're not getting any rebounds. The Hawks wanted the ball. They wanted to go in and finish. And, We don't like complaining about refs, but Jesus, you talked about him not getting a block. That should have been a block on Hunter. That should not have been a foul call. You know, you remember the one I'm talking about? I
1: think so. That should have
2: been. Yeah, Hunter was going to his left, like on the left block, and he was like this. His book had all ball. That's why he was like this. That should have been a block. That was not a foul. That was a horseshit call,
1: but it is what it is. So, before I get back into the thing that I wanted to put a pin in, is there anything else you want to say about these three games before we do power pair? Mm, no, I think I think we'll be fine, honestly. Yeah. One thing I Not want to worried. throw out there with the Hawks game is um, it was early in the game. Budenholzer called a timeout, and the Bucks went on a 10-0 run. So, Budenholzer does mm-hmm. do good things in coaching. Just throwing that out there. All right, so I have a feeling we have the same power pair, and it's the two guys that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. So, I'll I'll give mine. You can do yours, and I'm like I said, I'm positive we're gonna have the same two. My first one, mine is Javon Carter. Guess what Javon Carter did? What did he do? He scored sixty nine points in the last three games. No he did not. Bro. No he did not. If it happens, I will find it.
2: I love him so much. I love him so much. What a great week, man. What a great week. Seriously. What a great week. We get a lot of 69 references this week. We're going to we're going to Lambo. I mean, shit, man. Life is good right now.
1: This is pinnacle. <laughs> All right, so 23 a game for Javon oh, Carter over the last three games. Fantastic. Actually averaging eight assists over the last three games, which is big. Um, one thing I'm noticing while I'm talking about Javon Carter being a good passer right now, he's getting very good at mm-hmm. catching at the top of the key and faking the, the swing pass that the Bucks do a lot. The Bucks are really quick on rotating the ball around the three-point line when teams are helping. Uh, Javon Carter is getting very good at faking that pass watching two defenders go towards the next guy and having just an ocean of space to shoot a wide open three. And then he's shooting them and making them. Javon Carter was 10 of 20 on threes in the last three games, 50% from three. I will take that from any player that wants to shoot threes. Mm-hmm. Um, 26 of 53 from the field, which is 49%, just about 50. Um, and then seven of nine on free throws. All of those are good things. Um, so very pleased with Javon Carter over the last three games. And I do think he's going to remain in the starting lineup when the Bucs get Chris Middleton back, um, which I will talk about in a second.
2: So I don't really want to talk field goal percentage because I don't think it's fair to the kid because he had the really, really poor game. The he had Spurs the which really took his Yeah, he, it took down his three-point percentage, but he had eight three-pointers this week in three games. So, I mean – if we just I mean, look at it that way.
1: It's still good, though.
2: Yeah, that's, that's, that's still
1: good. 44%. I'll take that all day.
2: Right. It's just he had such a monster game against the Spurs, in my opinion. I mean, three of four versus the Hawks is good, but the five of eight, I'm just like, whoa.
1: I mean, right? yeah, you look at those two games, eight of 12, that's 67%. That's fucking bonkers.
2: Yeah, you're like, whoa, right? Um. So he averaged 15 points, six rebounds, and one steal. I wanted to put the one steal in there because – this is a guy that's going to be a two-way player. Yet another two-way player in Milwaukee. It's getting ridiculous at this point. I mean, Javon Carter. You can make an argument. He's another two-way player. Yeah. Uh, Javon Champ. I mean, obviously we know our big three. I mean, Bobby yeah. Portis is becoming a two-way player with him. as so much as he's competing on defense. Um, Brooklyn if we get anything. Yeah. If we get anything out of Pat Content on a consistent basis, you can consider him a two-way player. He's more of a spot-up so shooter. Will be a two-way player. Oh, Joe Engel's definitely a two way player. I mean, it's ridiculous the amount of two way players the Bucks have. They're shooting the defense, and they're trying to get rid of rid of rid of uh, a one one way. Uh, Grayson Allen doesn't really like playing defense too much, um, but he does like to play offense. They're trying to get rid of an offensive player for a defensive player. So the Bucks defense, which is already elite, really healthy. Which is a scary, scary thought for all. To that me, to me, that says um, that the yeah, Bucks that's, are that's like all I got, Marjan.
1: Look. Okay. So to me, it seems like the Bucks are like, all right, you know, we know we're not scoring a lot, but we're also gonna make it so that you can't score, because if you can't score, it doesn't matter <laughs> right? how many you score if you're only gonna get to eighty-five or ninety points. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's oh, that's how it feels. Pretty. Playoffs. Dude, the end of the season for the Bucks is
2: going to be very interesting. Very interesting to see how this team comes together when Joe Ingles comes back.
1: Mm -hmm. I am, I'm in. It's going to be awesome. I think. (laughs) I'm really excited for Joe Ingles because he's like, he's. You can already tell that he perfectly fits in with the culture and the chemistry of the team. So I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to see him get on the court. Um, Speaking of getting on the court, Chris Middleton is practicing. Pat Connaughton is practicing. Um, Chris Middleton is marked out for tonight. So is Wesley Matthews. Um, Grayson Allen is doubtful for tonight against the Cavaliers, the first matchup, which I want to say something about. Um, Mm -hmm. Drew Holiday and Pat Connaughton are questionable. If Drew Holiday does not play, and this is going to factor into my record prediction for the next three games, um, which I'm going to say two and one. Um, if Drew Holiday does not play tonight, I could see the Bucks struggling with Darius Garland, who just dropped 50 a couple nights ago and Donovan Mitchell. Um, if Drew Holiday plays, I could totally see this flipping to a win and the Bucks being 3-0 in the next week. But, you know, that's to be determined. I guess that's going to be announced. Actually, it's probably going to be announced any minute if those guys are playing or not. But um looking at it. They play the Cavs tonight. They play the 76ers on Friday. They play the Trailblazers on Monday. Looking back at the specifically the last week, looking at the health of the Bucks, Holiday missed all three. Giannis missed two of three. Grayson mm-hmm. got scratched late in the Spurs game and then twisted his ankle in the Hawks game, which is why he's doubtful for tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we're still kind of questioning whether or not Pat or Middleton are going to be back now, soon, or in a couple games. Mm-hmm. Um so the Bucs have had some inconsistency there. So nobody should be freaking out that the Bucks are losing three of their last four games or that who knows is a terrible coach or whatever the fuck narrative you want to run. But um what is your what's your record prediction for the next three games? The Blazers are young and exciting. That'll be a tough game too.
2: The Cavaliers are obviously very, very good. I am gonna also go with two and one, um, like you said, if Drew Holiday plays because he matters a lot, um, absolutely, yeah, uh, especially on the defensive end, controlling, allowing, you know, like basically neutralizing the other point guard's ability to just take over the game. Sure, and that's another reason that I picked Drew over our Marcus Smart is because whenever somebody gets on fire, where it's like, all right, Drew, sorry man, you gotta go over there now. Like whoever has the hot hand, it's just like, all right, Drew's like, all right. Buckle up, baby. <laughs> so if Drew, the plays, if Drew plays a uh, Drew versus Garland is that is must-watch TV, in my opinion. That's fun. Yeah, um, that's fun. So I'll say two and one uh with an asterisk as well. With an asterisk for three and all oh as well.
1: All right. Is there anything else you want to say about the Bucks? No.
2: No. I do want us to have a conversation about this injury report. I don't know if you saw it or not, but it is interesting, bro. <laughs> First of all, Bryant is right. This song bitch is long as hell. <laughs> um, so out for the Packers is Devondre Campbell and Romeo Dubs are both listed as out. So questionable is Shamar Jean Charles Charles and wow. doubtful is Kingsley Anangbare. So listen to the outs for the Titans. This is interesting. So. Uh, kicker Randy Bullock is out. Bud Dupree is out. Ooh. Um Amani Hooker safety is out. Lonnie Johnson is out. And Ben Jones, their center, is out. So yesterday mm. we were talking about where's Kenny Ben? Where's Kenny Ben? Kenny could be going up against the background night. That is really interesting. Um, the Packers is really struggled with runs up the middle, not having their center and up in and it's a, a guy like a Kenny Clark that could neutralize some of that inside run stuff. And that that's really the reason I wanted to bring this up. Um, questionable. Uh, well, did not participate And questionable is Jeffrey Simmons. I thought that was also interesting for the Titans because he did not participate in today's practice, but he's still questionable. He was, hmm. he did, did not practice Monday. He was limited on Tuesday and he did not participate today. So I was like,
3: Huh.
2: That makes things a little interesting. The light is coming from inside the house. Oh God, he is upstairs in my living room right
1: now. <laughs> this guy well, coming from inside
3: the house, like a so West Spruce
1: Falls will... situation's here.
2: <laughs> so I will see you in the next two minutes. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow. I will see you tomorrow, dude. You got everything ready for the game. We'll find out i guess <laughs> i uh i laid all my shit out man i i have like all my headgear um my gloves do you need hand warmers or anything bro i think have i have board. some but okay we'll see oh dude i'm jacked this is gonna be awesome um yeah dude i'm excited let's do this shit go pack Guys being dudes bucks and six yeah we're definitely gonna be making some uh some tiktoks tomorrow <laughs> um, I'm intrigued of maybe going live on one of our phones just for like five minutes and being like, Hey, check out Lambo, we're inside Lambo, yeah. Like, let's do this thing. Wisco fanatics yeah. is here. Um, maybe that could be part of our live stream from from Lambo or something. I don't know, we'll figure it out. But yeah. um, if you watch or listen to um, the show, we're going to the
1: Packer game tomorrow. Hit us up, yeah,
2: hell yeah, we'd love to meet up. Um, me and Tyler got to make plans when we're going to meet and all this, shit, but yeah, we'll get there. Um, anyways, I hope you have a good night. Hopefully, the Bucks win. Their debut in yeah, the new cool. court. That yep. is fucking fantastic. Cannot wait for that. Um,
1: other than that, I'm good, bro. All right. Well, I will see you tomorrow then. Later, brother.